Hello and welcome to the new episode of Women in Customer Success podcast, the first women-only podcast where remarkable ladies of customer success share their stories and practical tools to help you succeed and make an impact. I'm Maria Skobe-Pile, your host. It is such a pleasure today to welcome Revati Venkatraman, Head of Success at Slack in IPAC region. Hi, Revati. It is so, so amazing to finally have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. And so finally, happy to be talking to you. Appreciate the time that you've made for me too. Rev, because that's how you like to be called. <laughs> Let's start with your story. Tell us a bit more about your background and how did you come to be in the position where you are today? I joined a customer success organization. I think my journey started about close to 10 years ago. What I do today is I head success business for Slack and I have three portfolio lines of businesses in my charter. The first one is high-touch customer success and then I have scale customer success. And the third line of business is uh, renewals business, which is basically protecting our base. And I have a remit of APAC, APAC covering ANZ, ASEAN market, which is Association of Southeast Asia Nations, and then India region. So a combination of all of this, which means comes with a lot of cultural diversity. And at the same time, a lot of regional nuances that vary from sub-region to sub-region. And I'm so excited. I've been with Slack for about a year and a half. And my primary remit is to build and grow customer success organization and also elevate the customer success experience that we provide to our customers in the market. So, Maria, you asked me about my background and how I got into where I am today. This journey started for me when I finished my engineering a while ago. I did my chemical engineering and then that's my education. Wow, impressive. (laughs) No, and that's when I look back, I feel the same way too. But the opportunities, I was born in India and I grew up there. And given the opportunities that was there in the town that I was living was very limited, I very quickly came to a realization that I wanted to become an independent individual, and at the same time, you know, support my family and lead by example. So early in the journey, I started as a student counselor in an IT training firm, and I've seen how individuals come to learn specific technology and basically how services work and the whole holistic view of IT. And I learned that skill there. And then I moved to an ad agency where I was a senior client specialist. So what that means was I had a portfolio set of customers. (laughs) where I had to help them to be successful in the ad campaigns and all the print work that they were doing. So I learned customer service and customer experience there. And then I got relocated to New Zealand and pretty much I had to reset my career. I started off as an admin specialist in a trust firm, totally different from my aspiration, totally different from what I was expecting. And then that's where I learned the job of making sure we have discovery you sit with individuals and you do a discovery of what they are looking for. So I learned about discovery there. So as I got evolved, then I worked for a company called New Zealand Post. And New Zealand Post, I did a lot of roles. And one of my last role was rolling out Oracle CRM. And that's how I got that job and making sure adoption of CRM was high within New Zealand Post. So I learned about adoption of technology as a product owner. 
and the magic happened, right? In 2010, I moved to Australia where I was offered a job with Oracle's acquired company called Right Now Technologies, where I was leading a consulting practice delivery team. And we worked with customer success team, which was coined very new. And I could see the success of projects. And that made me realize how cool it would be to be partnering with customers end-to-end rather than very specific to a project and help them what I did at Post where I could adopt a technology. So when the opportunity knocked at my door from Citrix, I used my skills and then I joined them to lead and launch a CS practice, customer success practice in ANZ region. And then the remit from there grew from ANZ to India and then Southeast Asia market, and then the whole of APJ region. So that's how it all came together. But when I look back, it's interesting because so many skills that you learn throughout become so important for what you are today. Wow, what an, what an impressive story from geographies, different geographies to yeah. so many different things and markets and companies that you were really honing your skills, that you were a part of and be able to be exposed to so many different businesses. Obviously, you are in success now, so probably it wouldn't be fair of me asking what is your favorite part of the job or favorite role from all of those ones, but you already started saying about transferable skills. So let's go into those things. So across all of those roles that you had, what are those skills that you've been taking from one role to another and developing that is really, really helping you where you are today? A number of them. So just understanding the journey, customer journey, you need to have a product knowledge. So my IT training skills came handy because you need to have product knowledge to be actually having a conversation where it is credible for the customers. So product knowledge and being that product owner, that skill set was very important. And then, as I mentioned, this whole client services, you know, director that the title was at that time was actually customer success manager, right? Okay. So customer success where they have invested in something with that organization. And it was my duty to make sure that they maximize the investment they've made, number one. And number two, they came back for more work. So that's exactly a skill that I picked up. And then I was in professional services where making sure a project is successful Mm. was so critical. And that management consulting conversation and making sure that change management and taking a customer on a transformational journey, that whole piece I learned from professional services. So yeah, absolutely. And then leadership, of course, right? Once you become a leader, then totally you have to unlearn a lot of these skills and you have to relearn. So I picked up some skills throughout that journey as well. Wow, loads of things to unpack there. Tell me more about that leadership when you said you need to unlearn something. What do you mean? Well, unlearning is basically you have to lead by example all of a sudden. So things that you have to be prepared for is how do you make sure that you create that environment where you are not owning it, but your team is empowered to go and own it and have that confident conversation with the customers to make them a success, which means I had to step back and let the team take charge of a lot of these conversations. That's number one. And number two is how do I work with peer leaders? How do I bring peer leaders when I want them to contribute or make it effective? So it is a motion where you're not going as 
hey, I'm a customer success organization or I'm a professional services organization to the customer, whereas you're going with that customer organization view. So creating that harmony amongst peer leaders was something that I had to learn. And then making sure there's creating that environment where there is trust, but at the same time, you're focused on outcomes too. So where is that fine line? How can you be flexible, but at the same time, making sure you are results driven? So all of those things are very different when you become a leader. And these are some skills that I had to unlearn. Beautiful, beautiful. It's really something that I'm kind of facing every day. For me personally, it's so interesting listening about it. Exactly what you said, where is the line, right? Having so much trust and allowing other people to do their job, like enabling them but also leading with the metrics, right? Coaching them based on metrics so that they all know what are the outcomes that they have to achieve. Yes, Maria, if you were an individual contributor, how would you like to be led? And that's exactly what you got to think when you become a leader. What would I like and what would I do if I was in that position and look at it from a perspective of, yeah, you put human at the center, human people are coming to create that opportunity for the organization, but how do you create that thriving environment? So applying the golden rules, trying to understand how would you feel in other people's position. I think that it comes to the place, the idea of how you didn't like to be treated when you were an individual contributor. So how you really don't want to behave towards your team members and what are those things that you think are really important for them. That's wonderful. Would you have some advice or tips on creating those harmony between the different organizations? As you said, once you are on that position and you are a leader of success organization, you are constantly influencing those other people around you, other leaders trying to put your roadmap and your timelines into the place. And obviously that's the game that everyone are playing, trying to you know, influence each other. So what would be some of your tips? How do we learn those skills? Well, you learn. Post <laughs> correct yourself, you change if it didn't work and you redo it next time an opportunity arises. But the fact is that end of the day, if you are executing on something, it pretty much comes back to how you are measured for success, how the other individual is measured for success, how other leaders are measured for success. So let's take a look at a lens from if there are KPIs that have been set for individuals and the leaders, the company has a reason why they are KPIs, right? Why it is so important, not just for the individuals, but for the organization, why these KPIs exist. So realizing if I do this, what's in it for you? And taking them on that conversational journey to making sure that they get it and you get where they are coming from and what they want to achieve and making sure that clicks. That basically pretty much elevates a lot of this roles and responsibility issues Oh, I should be doing this. Oh, the other team should be doing this. Oh, is it in my job remit? Yes, you will face all of that because technology is evolving so quickly. Organization is evolving so quickly. We go through change every day. It's okay. But then fundamentally what you're supposed to do, I think whatever we do, you know, putting customer at the center and seeing what's right for the customer and making sure your KPIs as much as are aligned, but at the same time, what's in it for each other and going with that holistic harmony story with the customer itself, like a band. I just love how you connected it. I think that's one of the most important things that we in success should be aware of what's in it for you, right? 
when you're talking to your leaders, to your peers, but also when you're talking to customers, when you want to help them to adopt your product, when you want to sell your services as, you know, let's have it be out, let's, let's show you the value, let's do whatever you want them to do. It's because of yeah. what's in it for you. You want to achieve your business goals. Spot on. Yeah. Rev, tell me some interesting things from your careers or shall I say lessons. At the beginning, when you were talking about your career journey, you were listing loads of different companies and roles. And it just seemed like a very smooth journey, like a very good timeline. But I'm sure you had some challenges and you learned some lessons and skills along the way. What would be some of your career tips that you could share with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. It was not as easy as it sounds. I will say that as you rightly pointed out, I had to change geographies. I moved from India, lived in New Zealand and then moved to Australia. So I was associated with three countries and I picked up what is the best out of all these countries and working for global organizations. So you're associated with a lot of multinational and diversity thinking. So absolutely lots and lots to learn. When I had moved to New Zealand, my first job, I had to load and reload dishwashers in the office to make sure that someone was taking care of it. So I put my hand up to do it just so I could show that excellence that I was ready to do anything to learn a culture and maintain it. Things don't come easy, but you've got to be open about what does it mean and how it can really help you steer the needle. You're talking about career challenges, right? And uh, specifically as a woman in the business, I want to just touch upon something, right? When I was given an opportunity to manage uh, a specific team and a few months into this organization, they said, there's a lot of potential in what you bring and we have a bigger opportunity for you. Would you like to consider it? I was like, wow, okay, sure. Let's talk about it. And then when we started talking about it, I was like, yeah, I would be absolutely willing to do a role like that. And then everything was hunky-dory. Then I stood up and then this leader asked me, I just have one question. Are you planning to have another baby? Oh, gosh. And I was like, wow, wow. okay, should I say a yes? Should I say a no? I had a son by then and my intention was not to have another baby, but what was the right answer? You know, things like that are obstacles that potentially a women face in the business. I didn't have an answer, Maria, at that point. I was like, no, I'm not going to have a baby because I didn't want to miss on that opportunity. As much as I knew I'm not having another child, but then it's such a personal experience where it taught me what are the things that I shouldn't do if I was given an opportunity like that. So, you know, the tips here and how I overcame that was basically as much as, you know, the career took off and I created opportunities. I've had individuals in my team who've had to go through this experience and the opportunity was given to them. My two senses in a world where we need talent, let's take a look at and create opportunities for individuals that bring that talent and bring that diverse thinking, not just from women point of view, I'm just saying just generally, you see someone going through an obstacle, be there and be supportive to take them on the journey. Oh, wow. That's a wonderful tip. I'm really sorry that you have been asked that question previously, but I know there are so many similar examples in the world that women are asked that question. Obviously, no one would ask a man the same question. Are you yeah. planning to have another child in your family to take two weeks maternity yeah. or stay at home? Unfortunately, 
I mean, the world would have been a better place if more fathers do it. But yeah, it's interesting how you said we should be creating those opportunities. But I also think we should be talking about those things. Hopefully, questions like that are, I'm pretty sure they're illegal in some of the countries because it's not anymore a question that you can ask other people. But we also, and when we recognize that women are treated like that, what's interesting that very often, even if we are not asked those questions, there are so many other behaviors that almost make you feel like if you are asked all of those personal questions and don't know what to answer, what is the good way to talk yeah. about your personal life? Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, women, then women of a color. And you go through all of these obstacles, right, throughout your journey. But then you just have to identify, irrespective of where you come from, irrespective of gender irrespective of the profession, you just have to identify, okay, how do you get through that and maneuver through that? So you focus on the positivity of what you can offer and keep harnessing the strength that you have. Rev, tell me what is the most enjoyable part of your work? Ah, okay. My work, it's the whole package, Maria. It's creating customer delight, success of my team, contributing to regional growth because that's been a charter and I feel very, very proud to be contributing to a growth mindset organization. And I've played a teeny part in it and just having fun while we do all of this. So yeah, it's the whole package. How does it feel being a part of a world famous company that is widely used, you know, for most of the businesses out there? How does that feel? I'm like, you should be very, very proud. <laughs> I love my job. I absolutely love my job. And you know why? Because technology, product, yes, they all contribute to a business outcome, right? So they all contribute to something. But I have witnessed Slack making a difference to an everyday individual, the way they are operating. So it is actually lifting the way the human condition is. So which means it is easier for an organization to relate to the cultural change that it brings and how joyful it can become. And at the same time, with the whole pandemic that has gone through, bringing that workspace and bringing that collaborative thinking and that strategy where you bring flexibility into work, bring that connectedness into work and also making people feel very inclusive as well. So all of that, I think the technology and the company that I work for provides to the community and organizations and customers. It's a great experience to be in the customer success space and supporting them in their journey. Rev, whom do you admire in business? In business or in general? Okay, let's go with in general. Who inspires you? <laughs> a leader that inspires me a lot is Indira Nui. CEO of PepsiCo, I feel like I can relate to her. I can draw few parallels, not all, definitely. She's just amazing. But I can draw few parallels to my upbringing and life. And what inspires me the most is Indira Nui worked hard. She never took it easy. And the book that I was reading, My Life in Full, was talking about it, you know, how she tackled very difficult situations. Because A, she was a woman, B, women of color, yes. Yeah. But irrespective of all of that, she demonstrated what good looks like and she showed how you can climb the ladder of success, right? So that kind of resonated with me a lot. 
It's a great example, great book to read. I will put it on my list. I haven't read it yet, but I love her. Yeah. I love what she stands for and what she has accomplished in her life. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. What would you say would be your advice for any of the aspiring leaders who are looking to become leaders in customer success in such an, we call it, hot market at the moment? I think customer success is the best function to be in. Yes. And yes, you know, I work for that. <laughs> absolutely. And you know why? Because I truly believe that customer success has found its identity and voice in the industry. And it's incredibly fun to be in a space that has evolved so quickly and you've seen it evolve so rapidly as well. And to be acting as that advocate for the customer and for your customer, you know, a company that you work for as well equally, what better place to be in to be creating that, right? So I definitely think customer success. Back to your question on advice for aspiring leaders, definitely work hard and work smart lead by example and create that thriving environment. Help your direct reports grow. Give them that tailwind to be successful. Create a culture of success for your team. And tailwind is a word that Indra you uses, which I it registered for me quite a bit too. But most importantly, you create a culture of success for your team. And that culture of success is something you define along with your team members what good looks like for the team. How do you want to show up every day in your organization? What is your identity? So bringing all of that together, you create that culture of success along with your individuals in the team, I think would be a great starting point. That's amazing. So not just presenting data numbers, OKRs, and all the goals that you have to accomplish with the team, not presenting that at them, but really bringing them on that journey and yeah. arranging together, giving them a voice to say what success looks like for them as a team. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely wonderful. Amazing lesson in leadership, Rev. Thank you. Rev, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Loads of great things to think about. Loads of good tips, some leadership lessons, some career lessons. This was really, really valuable. Thank you for that. As we are approaching the end of this lovely conversation, I would like to ask you, what is a question that you wish other people would ask you more often? (laughs) Sure. Other people don't ask this question to each other. I think this question people should ask amongst one another as well is, what is your personal mantra? What do you remind yourself every day in challenging times? I think for me is look back and reflect on how far you've come, right? So from how I started after my engineering to what I have, and even in my childhood days, look back and reflect on how far you've come would be the one. But Maria, thank you so much for asking these wonderful questions. It was quite interesting to have that dialogue with you and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you, Rev. Definitely, you have come a long way. You have come very far, and I hope that you are very proud of yourself. You should be. Thank you. My pleasure. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Next week, new episode. Subscribe to the podcast and connect with me on LinkedIn so you're up to date with all the new episodes and the content I'm curating for you. Have a great day and talk to you soon.